The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. Good morning. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, California, streaming online at KUCI.org and podcasting on iTunes. Welcome to Privacy Piracy. I'm Lloyd, the show's engineer. We've enjoyed bringing this show since 2005. Your host is Mari Frank, a local attorney since 1985. She's a certified information privacy professional and the author of several books, including Safeguard Your Identity, Protecting Yourself with a Personal Privacy Audit, and The Complete Idiot's Guide to Recovering from Identity Theft. Mari's testified many times on privacy issues in Congress and the California Legislature. She served as a privacy expert for numerous court cases nationwide and at a White House press conference featured on C-SPAN. You may have seen her on Dateline, 48 Hours, CNN, NBC, The O'Reilly Factor, and many more shows, including her own 90-minute PBS television special, Protecting Yourself in the Information Age. To learn more about this radio show and our great guests, please visit KUCI.org slash privacypiracy. Mari, what's our show about this morning? Well, Lloyd, today we are going to be talking about privacy and technology and things you can do. And we have a wonderful techie who's a computer consultant with us. We have Dave Snyder, who co-founded and is the chief executive officer of the Angent Group, overseeing the day-to-day functions and long-term strategy. He has championed the power of technology and global market knowledge to transform the legal industry, and he's been helping me, and it's great. Prior to being appointed chair of the board and chief executive officer, David served as an advisor and thought leader to the most prominent law firms in the world, and he has led the focus on growth in emerging technology. He led double-digit growth of technology solutions for Thomas Reuters' most valuable clients. And prior to joining Thomas Reuters, David ran his own marketing group, catering to retailers such as Nordstrom and Macy's, forging a foundation on quality service. And I could tell you a lot more about him, but you can find out more about him at KUCI.org slash Privacy Piracy, where you can see his picture and his bio, and we link to his URL, which is Angent Group, that's A-N-G-E-N-T Group.com. Thank you, David, for joining us this morning. Thank you, Mark, for having me on the show. So, how do you think privacy has changed in the last 20 years with regard to technology? As far as technology goes, privacy is that folks used to perhaps dabble in the internet, send an email here and there 20 years ago, and it was more of a receiving end of information. Today, currently, as you're well aware, we have Facebook, Twitter. We have now ways to reveal and release information about ourselves, and that's kind of had a twofold impact. Number one, as an individual, you have a brand. You get to reveal what you want to people outside of your sphere of influence. But on top of that, it's created an incredible opportunity for enterprising criminals who can gather information about large quantities of people and and drill down on that data to find out enough about someone to cause harm. 
Yes. And they do it, the criminals often do it, because that's where they can get the money. It's valuable information. Now, you talked about that, you know, we have Facebook and Twitter and all the social networking, Instagram, everything. It's wonderful. We can tell things about ourselves that we want people to know, but we can also tell things about ourselves that we don't want everybody to know, but they can learn about it, too. Isn't that a danger? That's correct. Um, I think... What you want to do is take a look at yourself and ask yourself, if I was next to somebody on a subway, is this information that I'd like to share with them? Uh, and one of the things I like to encourage folks to do is go on the Internet and search your name. Uh, see what comes up. If you have a very unique name, uh, I think you'll be surprised at some of the information you'll find out about yourself that's uh, readily available to anybody who cares and would like to know. Yeah. You know, I another thing I do, Dave, is I, I have uh, a Google Alert on my name and a Google alert on things that I want to get sent to me. So if I get an email, I'll find out something where I'm appearing on an on a and you know, a website that I didn't even know that I was on there or somehow I'm being recognized. So I'll do that for my kids' names and I'll do that for <laughs> for, for things like privacy. So I find out what's going on in privacy and technology and conflict healing. But it's really easy and it's free to set up those Google alerts too. So, Absolutely recommended. Yeah. So how can we protect our privacy on a daily basis with technology? What are some things that we can do? You know, you can take a look at some of those social media sites you might be on, Facebook. You can uh, remove some of the more revealing details about who you are as a person. I would I'd recommend maybe pulling this city out. There's, <sighs> there's some information in there that, if you think about it, you'd only share with close friends. But... Facebook, it's probably going to be your closest friends or people that you have connections with who already have that information. So leaving it readily available is probably not the wisest course. Right. Uh, anything that has to do with your, you know, your house, your phone number, you know, if you have a picture of your home with a backdrop of a readily recognizable mountain, it wouldn't be too difficult to find it. Uh, and other personally identifiable information, if you find it, you've placed it somewhere where it can be seen. I just kind of slowly pull it down. Yeah. Now, what about if we pull it down, It if it's been replicated, do we have any way of making sure that whatever we've put up is, is really deleted or can be deleted? You know, here's the thing. It, it, you have to be vigilant. This isn't a one-time process that you can go through. Mm. Keep in mind that when you do put something up on the Internet, that it, it isn't just stored on a hard drive like we might do in our homes. It's stored on a drive that probably has two or maybe even three other uh, exact copies of it in case one fails, they switch over to the other copy. Mm. On top of that, all of those will be backed up onto a backup system. So in case one, two, or three of them fails, they'd be able to bring it back online. So the truth of the matter is, it's like uh, the old adage about a rumor, if you, if you take a piece of paper and you tear it up into a thousand pieces, it's very difficult to get that back. Well, the Internet's the same way. You really need to be careful about what you put out there and realize that although you may be able to do a large amount of uh, you know, repatriating that information to yourself, uh, ultimately there, there will probably be some of that information out there. And this is really important. We're sitting on the campus of the University of California in Irvine, and 
we know that you know the young people are thrilled to share and some things you might want to share now uh, you know pictures at a party where you're acting goofy you know you wouldn't want to have an employer see it you wouldn't want to have maybe future in-laws see it <laughs> there are a lot of people you wouldn't want to see it so you know before you post you got to really think twice about this and it's you know, when you're having fun and you want to post something, you forget. You know, it's very easy to forget. So, what are what are the three biggest myths? The three biggest myths about technology and privacy. privacy. Yeah, uh, I think I think number one that there are no free lunches on the internet. Um, you know, you might think that hey, if I give this person my information, this company my information. It's free. I'm getting something back, you know, without having to pay for it. When in reality, your uh, your information is actually valuable, and once you've handed it over, they have it, and it may not just go to that particular company. It may continue forth and uh, be sold to uh, someone who collects data information and then disseminated to many different places. Right. Number two, mm-hmm. I'd say that uh, there's there's a, a huge myth that you can be anonymous on the internet and I think a lot of people really enjoy that concept that you can you know go onto a, a website forum and talk to strangers and you can be whoever you'd like to be but in reality you're not uh, not only are cookies stored on your computer that are personally identifiable to the providers keep in mind that you have a IP address for your home or your business or wherever you are and it's almost like a stepping stone across a pond, or stepping stones across a pond, in that every time you take a step, you leave a little bit of a footprint there. And ultimately, it takes you to a destination. Well, all of that information about where you went is being stored. And that is another way that you know your paths and the places you go can be identified. So there is no such thing as uh, being anonymous on the Internet or going somewhere and, and nobody knows, uh, because it is it is out there yeah and and the tracking they can track where you're going and see what your life is like and you know i mean the marketers love that because they see what kind of lifestyle you have which is a little creepy i mean sometimes we love things like with companies that we love to work with like amazon when i go on they they bring up all these privacy books which saves me some time which that's okay but sometimes when i go on something and people will start saying other things to me that I don't want them to know, that is really creepy. It, it feels like Big Brother watching. It's uh, quite scary, actually. Right. An, an, interesting, an interesting experiment to try is, is go on Google or your favorite search provider and search for something that you wouldn't normally search for, uh, toads in the African rainforest, something like that, <laughs> or something that can be purchased. Right. And you'll see, those, you'll see ads for those things show up in other areas, different searches, websites you go to because they're capturing that information. And uh, Google and other uh, ad providers will disseminate that information so that you're bombarded with those ads of what they perceive you to be interested in. And, you know, uh, now that everybody's doing apps, and you and I were talking earlier about how exciting apps are, we love them. You know, they're fun. They, I mean, you can get an app for almost anything now. But even those are, a lot of those are free. Okay, and so what happens with those? I mean, people think, oh, it's free. You know, they're just having fun getting getting their stuff out. But they capture information too, don't they, Dave? Uh, absolutely. And I think 
our, our personalities come out when we either play a game or we come up against a challenge or when we ask questions. These are they're very tiny bits of who we are as a person, but when a company is able to aggregate that information about you, tiny little breadcrumbs about who you are as a person, uh, they're very good at putting together a, a proposal or a product that they think you'd be interested. That'll probably fit that bill, and that's where those type of things are very useful to us as, as consumers. But on the flip side, if the wrong person gets a hold of that information, it's very easy for them to make a profile of who you are as a person, find your weak points, and uh, and uh, really take advantage of that. Yeah. And so it's uh, it's important when we're before we download an app is to really look at, you know, who are they going to share this information with? You know, look at the privacy policy. I know it's a pain in the neck to do that because you're just excited to get it and you don't want to have to go through all these things. I agree to this or I agree to that. And, you know, it just seems like... It's taking so much of our time, but it really is important. If you're going to go and get a free app, you want to know what are they going to do with that information, and are you just going to check the box that says allow? You know, sometimes um, I've, I've wanted to download an app, and I look, and it says, will you allow us to capture where you are? And I'm going, no. Well, you can't get the app. Well, then I figure I don't want that app, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, another small protection is actually can be very important is if, if you're signing up for games or free things on the internet, quote-unquote free, uh, I recommend that you have a secondary email address, what I might call it a throwaway email address, but whenever you sign up for information or a free prize, you have you put that email address down. It, it has a two-fold advantage. Number one, you'll have less white noise in, in your regular email box where your life lives, where, where important stuff happens. And number two, if somebody hacks that throwaway email account that you only use for signing up for things, there's no danger that they're going to get any of your important information. Right. But isn't it, and and I agree with that, I just wonder about this. If you get a free email, if you get free Hotmail or free Gmail, um, that's not free either, is it? I mean, they're they're going to, and here's where they make their money, is they will take the information that comes through that email address, just like they would have with a search, and they will comb that information and try to build a, a, a dossier about you as a consumer, or they'll, they'll aggregate that with other consumers and come up with a group. Um, however, you these free web or I'm sorry, these free email addresses can be built with uh, whatever information you choose to give them. They don't necessarily have to be uh, filled out with all of your pertinent, uh, pertinent personal information. Right. Right. So um, one other thing I, I did want to touch on very quickly. Yeah. Uh, back to the anonymity part of the internet. Uh, recently, what is starting to become popular is help me find this person or help me find that person. Right. Um, and if you stop and step back for a second, if, if somebody walked up to you on the subway and said, can you help me find this person and hand you a picture, your, your answer to that would probably be, no, thank you. Right, um, right. <laughs> this, you know, these photographs can be used to stalk somebody or find the real address or, or locate them. So just realize that whatever you know, photograph that you have on the internet that's readily available to see can be utilized for that as well. Right. You know, before when you were talking about you know what what we say on the internet, and we were talking about how to be careful. This just reminded me of today. I was uh, on Facebook, and somebody, and there were these were a bunch of attorneys. 
and uh, someone spoke about something in the news, and it was a very upsetting thing in the news, and uh, I won't mention what it was. And um, other people started talking about, you know, law enforcement and bad mouthing them, and um, and other people were arguing with them about this, and and these attorneys were saying something like. You're an idiot, or what a moron you are to say that or think that. And I was shocked. I was just, you know, because people get into these forums and start talking on something. And I thought, that's that. I, I finally had to intervene and say, hey, guys, let's be respectful of each other um, because we all have points of view from our experience and, you know, playing the mediator. But it kind of blew me away and made me think very poorly. Um, even though I don't like to judge people, but it made me think very poorly of the people who were talking like that. And the same thing has happened on my listserv. I'm on a bunch of listservs for the Orange County Bar, and every once in a while someone will say something really off-color, and the whole group will jump on them. So (laughs) it's really important to think before you post anything on a a listserv or... um, you know, uh, when you're responding to something or in a blog, right, Dave? I mean, that just blew my mind. Well, you know, back to the anonymity, hey, I'm on the Internet, I can kind of say whatever I want, and there's no repercussions for it. The thing about the Internet is it's, it's there forever. They're not, you know, we'll talk about, you know, maybe the NSA or Google. They're not shrinking the size of the storage space. It's growing. And what's going into that storage space? It is every word you say on the Internet, every photograph you place on the Internet, it's permanent. And maybe today it's not a big deal, uh, but in five or ten years, if somebody has a string of things that you said and they come to you and say, hey, I have all this information about you, I'm going to release to people you know, what do you think? That's a very powerful tool for a bad guy. Yes, and and I just keep thinking about some of these, you know, science fiction movies like Minority Report or something, where they start uh, predicting what you're going to do based on something maybe stupid that you said or something that you said in jest. You know what I mean? Sometimes people will say something in jest and people don't understand that they were just kidding around, and then it becomes something like, okay, uh, we're going to go after you, Right. Right, and on that note of minority reports, well, number one, somebody builds a profile of you as a person based on what you've said on the Internet, because, frankly, they're not going to go door-to-door and interview you. Right. Uh, there's something way more sophisticated that isn't science fiction fantasy. It's actually here today, and that's AI, artificial intelligence. Right. There are computers that they teach how to think. I want you to look for this, this, and this, and I want you to build a story based based on these parameters, and it can crawl the entire Internet can bring together all the things that fit into that criteria and, and build a story that may or may, or may, or may not be true, um, but based on what's out there. So that, be very careful. My comments have always been, you know, neutral across the board, being cognizant of that, uh, and kind, because I think that's the other thing that's very important. You never know when a good friend or a loved one or someone you've just met may go online to see about you, and uh, they see what you've written and yeah. written about. And if they're unkind or in mean words, it can really affect uh, yeah, your life. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you work your whole life to set up a reputation. It can be ruined in a nanosecond, you know? that's It's pretty sadly, scary. Sadly, that's true. Absolutely scary. 
We are speaking today with David Snyder, who is the co-founder and chief executive officer of the Angent Group, which is um, a wonderful uh, organization, or actually a wonderful company that does all sorts of computer consulting and marketing consulting, and he is a, he is a champion of power of technology and, and global market transformation uh, in the legal industry and also in business. So, Dave, why don't you tell us how um, you know how secure is the cloud? Like we're all up in the cloud, whether we think so or not. Like even the Facebook is in the cloud, right? Um, I back up in the cloud. How secure is the cloud? Well, I have to tell you, number one, it's as secure as any other place where you would put your data. Uh, the difference between your home and the cloud is that when you put something into the cloud, you're, you're, you're in a stadium with lots of other people. And so you become more attractive to hackers or people that want to get a large amount of information from a small space. But I think if we step back for a minute and we take a look at the places where the hacks have actually happened, uh, the most damaging, I should say, you know, whether it's, you know, uh, a company hacking your health care or maybe a store that you shopped at, and they get plenty of information from there, and that's where the money is. I, I'm not sure that we're seeing that same level of damage in storage places where, because as a hacker, if I'm going to, if I want to make money, I'm not so sure that I want to filter through millions of documents to find a piece of information that's helpful to me, I want to go to a bank or a retailer. Right, right. That being said, uh, we are now at the dawn of a completely new age of encryption. And if you, if you don't mind, I'd like to speak to that. Oh, yeah, I wish you would. It's important. Um, what encryption is, if I could give you a brief overview, yes. is, is you have uh, information on one side of the Internet, and then you have a person over on the other side that wants to receive that information. So we'll call them A and B. So A wants to send information to B. Well, A will put a, uh, they will encrypt or scramble that bit of information, and it will give it a number. It will attach a number to it or a set of characters and say, unless the person B over here on the other end has that same set of numbers, they cannot open this document or this piece of information. Right. Well, that up till today has been based uh, the, the core of it is the clock, the 24-hour clock. So those numbers will be tied to some point on the clock, and so there is a finite number of randomizations that can be made because we're talking about a 24-hour period. Right. So hopefully everybody's tracking so far. It's able to be cracked. And I don't know if you remember not so far in the past that there was a cell phone hacking that happened you know, with uh, some dignitaries from other foreign countries, and they were being monitored. Right, and, and uh, celebrities, too, remember? Yeah. Yes, and, and what had happened was that finite amount of numbers was hacked by computers that were powerful enough to do it. Ten years ago, those computers didn't exist. It, was, it would have been too difficult 30, 40, 100 years to crack it. But as computers become more and more powerful, the ability rises. So today on the horizon, what we have is subatomic randomization, it's called mm. quantum randomization, mm. where it's tied to a molecule which is unique, wow. and it is able to create completely random numbers. Huh. So now what's going to happen is the ability, the, the inability to have complete true randomization will soon be gone. 
And to give you an idea of the difficulty of cracking this, you would have to run a top-level computer for 1,000 years in order to crack this type of encryption. God, that's great. So it isn't going to be like it isn't going to be like 250-bit uh, encryption. What will that be called? It, well, it's called quantum randomization. Oh, so it'll just be ca- called quantum ram. Oh, I see. So, so I would think that it would be a, a standard or a best practice for all financial institutions, right? Are they starting to do that? You, you hit the nail on the head. They will be the first folks out of the gate utilizing this type of encryption. Uh, and I will say that they're, to their credit, they have been very proactive in not only making sure that their their safety. Uh, has been increased or their client safety has been increased, but they demand that from their vendors as well. Right. Huh, that's terrific news. So uh, explain to my audience a little bit about the difference between um, encryption at rest versus encryption in transit. Uh, Is it going to be any different with this new randomization? Uh, Well, the, the definition of encryption at transit and encryption at rest is, think of it this way, when you have a document in front of you at your desk, transit, that means that while it is going across the internet, that particular piece of information is also encrypted and cannot be read or monitored. If you think about eavesdropping, you know, back in the day when you're on the telephone, someone put up a pair of headphones on, they'd plug in, right? Right. Well, if it's encrypted, it would sound like scrambled eggs. You wouldn't be able to understand what was happening. And so- that's what uh, encryption in transit means. And if I could just jump back to the quantum randomization, that's one right. component of the of the encryption that's happening. Another component is, since it's at such a a small uh, molecular level, as it's coming across the wire, if there's a disturbance by somebody trying to monitor that traffic, it will inform the software on the other side, the receiving end of that traffic, that there's been a disruption. Someone's listening. Because the information can't go straight through and be observed. It would have to come off an off-ramp have somebody look at it and go back on on-ramp. Well, there's change that happens when someone does that. And so even better than having it encrypted, the ability to alert the receiving end that, hey, this encrypted information is being listened to, don't transmit. Wow. So and that goes back, and that goes back to the original sender, so they know not to send it or? Correct. And uh-huh. it wouldn't alert you personally, but, you know, the software would say, hey, this is not a safe connection. Yeah. Let's try a different route. Wow. That's brilliant. It's, it's truly amazing, and you know, once you get into the weeds, like kind of covered in, at a ten thousand foot level, it's it's a lot of algebra. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> a lot of mathematicians doing that one. So let's talk a little bit about free Wi-Fi. Everybody goes to you know the coffee shops or the airport or certain hotels, and then they get the free Wi-Fi. H- what about that safety? You know, I would avoid them. Use them rarely, if ever. Uh, I think one of the favorite. Uh, hacking techniques for someone who wants to just grab information from random passerbys is to set up a, a free Wi-Fi that looks in name to be similar or the same as the free Wi-Fi location that you're sit down at. So let's say you're at the Joe's coffee shop. It's Joe's free Wi-Fi. I could turn my phone on and set up a Wi-Fi call at Joe's free Wi-Fi uh-huh. instead of the coffee shop. And maybe I could connect my laptop and, and kind of skim off what you're doing. Uh-huh. Kind of observe what's happening, what kind of traffic is going on. 
So, so yeah, go ahead. An alternative to that is, you know, most health providers now will allow you to utilize your telephone as a mobile hotspot. Yeah, that's what I was just going to ask you. I have a hotspot on my on my uh, iPhone six plus. Can't I just use that? I would I would recommend that, and you get to put your own password in there. And I would recommend a, a fairly complicated password that's not easy to figure out. And uh, you know, now you're now you're home free, and you're working through a network that you can trust. Yeah. Well, we're just about out of time. We have just a couple minutes. So do you, do you have any, you know, we're sitting on the campus, so, you know, these people are pretty techie. They're, they're using technology all the time. Do you have any last thoughts or just, you know, a couple, some tips to think about just uh, to end this up? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, number one, I would say that you want to make sure to use a complicated password for any interactions you're having on the Internet. Okay. Um, and... Number two, be aware. It's just, it's just like you're walking. I mean, the Internet's a big, dark parking lot. You want to look around you. If you're talking to someone, be aware of who you're talking to. If you're giving information to a website or a person, you know, be aware of, of who that person is before you hand that information over. And if you open an email, do I know who this is? Let's take a look at the content of the email and make, see if it makes sense before I open up any attachments. Sounds great. Well, just give your website then, and it's time to go. And Dave Snyder, we think you're wonderful, and we also think your company um, is doing great work, Angent. And so just give the website, and it's time to go. Wonderful. Thank you again, Mari. And my website is www.angentgroup.com, A-N-G-E-N-T. I look forward to hearing from your listeners, and have a wonderful day. Okay, you too. Thanks so much. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM Minervine and KUCI.org on the net. Uh, uh, please join us every Monday morning at 8 a.m. for Privacy Piracy and visit our website at KUCI.org slash Privacy Piracy and write us an email about what's important to you about privacy in the information age. Thanks. Stay private. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.